Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekend sports with a difference. So I thought it'd be fun if we all went around and said our name and a little something about ourselves. I'll start. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. Will you stop your damn sniveling, son? Buck up, Bart. On ESPN Sports Radio 1080, The Fan. Well, hey. What up? How's it going? Hopefully you guys are surviving the 100-degree days this weekend. It's been, I mean, luckily for me, we've, I'll tell you in a second, we've MacGyvered our apartment to be cool, (laughs) as cool as possible. But uh, this has been pretty crazy like last night it was 90 degrees still at like nine o'clock p.m <laughs> that's insane to me that's hot at night who is this girl on the sports center oh i don't know i'm pretty sure at nine o'clock at night i was in the hot tub last night i'm sorry i'm distracted folks. left or right or both okay. right is jessica mendoza she's the baseball tonight lady now she she does Sunday night baseball okay i don't know who's left she's kind of okay don't be too oh, distracted. Wait, no, never mind. Never mind. Uh, you were in the hot tub at 9 p.m., Jesse? Wow. Yeah. Well, it was 90 degrees outside still. What were you doing? Felt good. Do you Gross. like the heat? I love the heat. Oh, God. So, yes, um, I'm not doing anything that has the word hot in it. We were about to get hot links <laughs> when we were on the river yesterday. It's like, yeah, that's probably a bad idea. Let's let's not do that at all. This just sounds like 101 degrees, hot links. Jalapeno chips. Like, oh, God, that's just, brutal. Yeah, that's just like a recipe for disaster. Do you know what yesterday was? Yesterday was AC on, Otter Pops, and like frozen water bottles. That's what yesterday was to keep as cold as possible. I, was, I need to be cold. Whenever I got like super hot. Like 65 just, or under in our apartment, it's got to be, be cold. Whenever it got super hot, it just jumped into the, to the Sandy River. That, that cooled you right off. So Jesse... Likes hot tubs at 90 degrees. That's weird, Jesse. I'm not sorry. Not you're weird, but that's weird. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I'm i also the type of guy that'll go to the hot springs on a hot day, so. I, I, don't, I don't understand. This hurts my brain to think about because, honestly, if you, there, there is a positive to it, right? When you leave the hot tub or hot spring or other various awful hot thing that you're doing, it feels cooler outside. Because your body was in the hot water, so uh-huh. the temperature, uh-huh. hopefully, is lower, and it'll feel cooler. That's the only positive. Because if you're already in 100-degree weather, and you're sweating, and it's crazy out, and you just get into more hot things... So was it just you in the hot tub? I don't understand. No, there was... I mean, 
I, um, I'm right now house sitting for my parents, and so I had some friends over, and yeah, we, no, we we kind of all, I mean, kind of not all at the same time got in the hot tub, but yeah, we that would have been a party. It it would have. It, it's a small hot tub. It's a three person hot tub, so you know. But uh, most of them dangled their legs in. I got in. It felt good. I like, <laughs> you know, I'm the type of guy. The first time I went to Vegas, I was like, hmm, let's. Let's scout and see what the hot spring experience is down there. And there are some down there, but they were, I mean, it was a little hot even for Those me. Are it, boiling springs. Uh, don't do, don't have anything to do with yeah. the hot springs in Las Vegas. When I was there the first time, it never got below 95 degrees. That's including the night. Like it was just. Even so, at night, huh? Even at night, it never got below 95 degrees. Is that is that normal out there? You went to college out there for yeah. a couple of years. Yeah, that's about normal. In the summertime, uh, it it will be 90 Seven degrees. Got on the one fifteen, one sixteen during the day, ninety five at night. Well, that's what's going on. There's no breeze. Like it's impossible. Like Vegas is the one spot. Maybe Arizona. There's places like this. New Mexico, quite possibly. But as you're, when you roll the windows down, say you're just driving around. There's no breeze. It's just hot. Like you 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 feel like you're in the oven. Breeze as you're driving around. You know, whip your hair. But it's a dry heat, right? Yeah, incredibly dry Dry heat. Yeah, does that make it better? No, it doesn't. It makes it a a whole lot worse. So if you go to Vegas, find your nearest pool (laughs) and jump in it. I I am the type of person I go out there. This is my classic. I'm. I haven't been in enough sun lately. I'll go out there and it's 115 degrees, and I just reach towards the sun and, and just try to soak it in like a plant. I just love it so much. So, the, so my question, so you're living in Portland is a bad decision yes. for your oh, health. Yes, oh, I know. Um, but what temperature do you enjoy in your house slash apartment slash humble abode? Um, well, we don't have an AC. Okay. Typically, That's now, fine. every once in a while, we'll MacGyver one in if we're having company over in, you know, so I'll, because we don't have like a a window in our living room where I can actually put a window rattler in, so I have to, like, put it in the front door, which means I have to do this whole yeah. rig setup or yeah. whatever. But, no, I, I mean, it is what it is. What, However hot it gets in the house is however it gets now. But where cold, are you comfortable? Like, what's your comfortable temperature? That's all I'm asking. Because some people, like Joe Fisher, by the way, when he produces in that room and he, he jacks the heat up to 80 degrees in there, yeah. I get into that studio and I'm, like, instantly dripping in sweat. I, I, I don't like understand. it in the 70s. Ugh. I'm, I'm, a, I'm 65, right around. I like it cool. I'll 63, baby. I'll 63 is. I, I like it cool. If peak you, can, temperature. you can give me 60 and I'm I'm great. I got sweatshirts. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't, and I'm a sweatshirt wearer, you know, throughout the throughout the week for the most part, at least when I'm at home. So I have no problem with I, the 60, How often do you guys not see me in a sweatshirt jacket or something in the morning, though? Whenever you're wearing a Peyton Manning jersey? Yeah, that's about it. But he usually wears long sleeves under the Peyton Manning. That is true. Always in long sleeves. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. I just thought that was your style. I but. like to be warm, man. Just so much. And this is not a warm place. I mean, in the summer it can be. like, and But it's not a cold place either, though, it, which is nice. It's not. But in the, it, it's that whole thing where it's like it's that, that purgatory cold. It's not cold enough to give you the fun snow stuff most of the time, which we found out last, last winter the snow isn't as fun as we think it is. But it just it gets you cold and wet. It is if wet, the city and, has snow plows. Yeah, as long as they're prepared, uh, yeah, you're no, good. Denver's there. Denver's on top of it with their snow plows, man. There's there's a single flake in the sky. The plows are out on the road. It's awesome. So hopefully you guys are all surviving the heat. We MacGyvered it by bringing a formerly half-broken AC unit that we had because we have one in our bedroom but not in the living room. We brought back the old one that was kind of broken, and 
I mean, it's, it's a champ right now. It is working its tail off, running. It kept our apartment at like 72 yesterday, which is a little hot for me, but much better than 89 or 90 <laughs> or whatever it would have been. Um, we put towels over the blinds that we left closed to make like a double layer of insulation to keep the heat out. And it looks really, really stupid, but it's working so well. Man, whatever works. And whatever we, works. And we're like timing it because we can't run both or else our fuse blows because we're in an apartment. Yeah, I feel so, bad that I'm about to be a jerk and just mention the fact that I'm just going to put my AC unit in my window when I get home. Well, I mean, that's nice. Yeah, I feel like a jerk. Now. No, any you would be a jerk if you said, well, I'm just, I got my central AC. It's working great. My house is at 67. Right now. Oh, yeah, house, the house man. sitting that I'm, that I am at. It is set at 68 right now because we mm. do have central. Super comfortable. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, so Marie's taken care of on that front. Yeah. So, that, see, that's if all of a sudden you're like, ah, I got central AC, just get central AC. Yeah. Well, no, I can't. I'm in an apartment complex. <laughs> they don't have AC because nothing was built with AC here for whatever stupid reason. Uh, but now I hope everybody is realizing that they need AC because there's going to be 100 degree days every summer, apparently, and you need to stay cool. So text us on the Bridgeport Beers text line 55305. How are you beating the heat? What are you doing to escape? Are you floating on the river like Rashad did? Are you going into hot tubs like Jesse? Are you just staying in a dark room and hoping it stays cool like me? Text your thoughts to the Bridgeport Beers text line at 55305. On the show, sports-wise today, we're going to talk a lot about the NBA draft. We got Blazers discussion for their two draft picks they made uh, Neil Olshay audio coming up on the show, what the Blazers didn't do what they, and what they still could do that you want to see him uh, do to get into the preparing for the next season. The Jimmy Butler trade was the biggest move of the draft night, plus a lot of the Oregon Ducks got drafted and the top picks. A whole bunch of stuff to get to. Rashad Rance will be back at 10 o'clock as well as Hater Lovett at 1030. So we're just kind of going to flow through the draft here through the entire show. So if you have any hot takes, feel free to text those as well to the Bridgeport Bears text line at 55305. You can also find us on Twitter. The station is at 1080thefan. I am at Mike Lynch 27 Rashad's at TaylorMade503. And Jesse, our producer, is at Jesse Osman, A-S-Z-M-A-N. And then Facebook.com slash 1080thefan is our Facebook page. And I do have a post up there for you guys if you would like to comment on that about both Zach Collins and Caleb Swanigan. So... Coming up next, we will start with the Blazers draft. Are you, after two or three days, happy with the trade? Are you more upset? Are you calmer than you were? Because a lot of fans were not happy with it when it, when it happened immediately. Tell us your thoughts, and we'll discuss next here on Sports Sunday on 1080 The Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 914 on your Sunday morning. We're here with you until 11 a.m. today. Mike Lynch, Rashad Taylor, taking you all the way there. Jesse Osmond here as well. Plenty coming up on the show about the NBA draft, and that is where we will start here with the Portland Trailblazers, who had the 15, 20, and 26th pick going into the draft on Thursday. The rumors were bouncing around on the day of the draft. They were tied to Paul George, which was super exciting. Uh, there was a report that said it was them and one other team who were true suitors for Paul George that they thought might make it happen. Uh, and Jason Quick even reported that they had made an offer to the Pacers that quote-unquote didn't move the needle. That, to me, didn't mean much. It meant they tried, and they could have still been trying to offer a little bit more, but that didn't happen. 
They were tied to moving up to the lottery, which, as you saw during the draft, did happen. And there was a couple other reports out there. So a lot of stuff was going on for the Blazers. But when the draft hit, it was just radio silence. Right? Nothing really happened except for the Jimmy Butler trade, which we'll get to. But all the picks in the top of the draft kind of went as expected. There weren't a lot of crazy moves, weren't a lot of crazy trades. And then the Blazers make the trade. At like It was probably about pick eight when it was announced on Twitter that they were trading 15 and 20 to move up to the 10 spot to take Zach Collins center from Gonzaga. Now, I was hosting primetime that day. So the initial reaction was a wall of negativity from Blazer fans. I would say it was probably 90 or 95% of Blazer fans were pissed about the trade. Um, I wasn't particularly, but I wasn't exactly wowed by it either right i i thought the trade was underwhelming but smart but that's not how blazer fans felt off the bat they felt like it was the dumbest move they could have made even though they went up into the lottery and i, I mean i i don't know if i blame them for feeling that way because the expectations were so high but now that we've had a couple of days to sit and look at it have the feelings changed do you do you feel any better about the Zach Collins pick and the trade than you did on Thursday. Text the Bridgeport Bridge text on the 55305. And Rashad, I'm, I'm curious how you feel too. I mean, for me, I'll be honest. There was just some confusion more than anything. I, I didn't say, I wouldn't say I was angry about the pick. Like I think a lot of people were, which is kind of ridiculous to me to be angry about any pick that happens in the draft. But to me, to me, it seemed really silly to get, go out there and get a center or a big man when, you just saw the emergence of what could be one of the best big men in the NBA and Yusuf Nurkic. It seemed really weird to go get a guy that you know is going to be a project, unless you see him really being that role that Myers Leonard was supposed to fill, you know, as far as maybe being a stretch guy that could hopefully finish at the basket at some point, maybe play some defense. So if that's what you're looking for, then I say great, you know, because if you're looking for, I think that's why they held on to Myers so long. Because you were hoping that he could eventually turn into that guy that you drafted. Because that him. role in today's NBA is it's important. pretty it's, important. It's important. You know, yeah. and mind you, it, will it be an all-star role? No, probably not. But I think every team needs a, a, a big that can at least kind of stretch the floor for you, and that's not really what the Blazers have. That said, I thought they should have went in the direction of a small forward. But, you know, we start reading off the, the names that could have came out afterwards, and they weren't really there. The, the one glaring hole at least for me is the fact that the Blazers have no wing defender they have no three and D guy you know that there's no Bruce Bowen uh um Sean Marion type of character for them that's going to be able to alleviate Dame or CJ because neither one of them are great defenders and so you have to have a guy that's going to be able to guard Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard and Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and Russell Westbrook these are the best these are and these all guys these are all guys in the Western Conference so you have to see them four times, three to four times a year. It would make sense to be able to go out there and get somebody that would be able to not stop, but make it difficult for these dudes to do what they do. And it just this, Zach Collins just, to me, doesn't scream, I help the Blazers win five more games this year. Now, I do agree that is a very important need. Uh, they do need a better wing slash guard defender. Uh, but as you kind of alluded to there, around the 10 pick and they weren't going to be able to trade any higher with the assets that they, that they had. There was nobody like that really. 
Um, if you look just just right below it, that you Malik Monk, not exactly the best defender. Luke Kennard, I I don't know how he got that high, but uh, he's from Duke. Donovan Mitchell, I think, was a good defender, but he was a, he was a uh, more undersized shooting guard. And then you get back to round where you were, which is what your original pick would have been. Um, so for me, the secondary, well, for me, the primary need, you're, what you were talking about, I, I think, is a close second. For me, the primary need was another defensive-minded big who could either play with or behind Yusuf Nurkic. You're right. They did find a very good defender in, at the center position already, but they had nobody to back him up. When you... Because the Blazers went, what, like, they won, like, 60% of their games when Nurkic came to the Blazers uh, when he was playing a lot of minutes, or even more than that, even. And But when he left the floor, it was nothing. You had nothing. You had no backup. Myers Leonard was your backup. Ed Davis was hurt. And you just had no defense. You had no or very little skill after Nurkic left, and it was a huge hole. Um, Zach Collins, I think, they were talking about almost playing more as a four than a five, which would erase some of your doubts maybe about him being a project because you don't need him to be the best like big man ever. You just need him to be a skilled player who can do what he did at Gonzaga, which is kind of all of everything. He was an elite defender. And that was the one thing that they mentioned a lot uh, in, in the draft. And we'll play Neil Shea's press conference next segment. And we'll, we'll play some of his clips talking about that too. So he's a great defender, which is obviously what you need. He's a big body who can shoot like Myers Leonard, but guess what? He plays inside. He has a good post game. He actually wants to play inside. And if you watched any of the NCAA tournament this year going up to the national championship game for the Zags, you saw Zach Collins play some really, really good basketball. No, Zach Collins, he, he's not a bad player. And The weakness I, is he's skinny, the, right? Well, yeah, he's, that's, he's a little that's the slight. Weakness, but you also, you, you don't, I think Myers Leonard had a lot of the same stuff, you know, when he was Illinois. You know, he was somebody that wasn't shooting a lot of threes. He was somebody who could. Now he's kind of been in the NBA and became a, a jump shooter. That's what you hope doesn't happen to Zach Collins. That's what, you, as, as a Blazer fan, you're hoping that you have a guy that can go down there and kind of help uh, Nurkic bang a little bit and maybe, you know, get some additional rebounds, stuff like that. The one pick that I was actually kind of okay with was the Swannigan kid. I He's kind of that big body too, right? He, he, he is. He's maybe a little bit undersized. I think maybe 6'8", 6'9", but hell, so is Draymond Green. A little chubby. Yeah, a little pudgy, but I think – that's that's all. That's one thing I hate hearing about the draft is, oh, he's he's not in shape. Well, nobody's in NBA shape until you played within the NBA and worked with NBA trainers, got yourself a, a meal plan and stuff like that. Like those are things that happen as you become an NBA player. Terrence Jones from here in Portland, Oregon. He went to Kentucky and came back that first year and was huge. I'm like, bro, you got really big. And then he went to Houston and came back even bigger. So you're going to get to the NBA and you're going to get an, uh, one, uh, a top-of-the-line trainer who's going to get you in phenomenal 82-game shape. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I, know, I hate hearing, like, oh, they were kind of out of shape or he's a little pudgy. Like, that'll change, unless you're Big Baby Davis and it never changes. Zebo always looked a little pudgy, too. Like, yeah, I mean, Zebo kind of has There's that, always yeah. been players Marcus out Saul there. Marcus is not, like, made of muscle. You right? know, it doesn't look like it, at least. No, I think the the thing for Swanigan that has people saying pudgy is because as a kid he was like 400 pounds because the story is actually pretty cool, sad, but cool. He was homeless for a while. He was in and out of shelters, and he, he ate. You no, know, he was a stress eater, I guess, and, and he ate himself all the way up to like 380, 400 pounds. So, I mean, sure, he's going to look a little pudgy, but he also won, I think he won Big Ten Player of the Year, right? Mm -hmm. If not Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. So that is... That is a, I think that was another very good pick. It was a guy that honestly I didn't 
research very much going into the draft. He wasn't tied to the Blazers at all. He was in that range. Like, you saw him in mock drafts, but you're like, oh, okay, cool, whatever, kid from Purdue. And they took him, and everyone was like, oh, you didn't take Jordan Bell? Why not? But I think it's a smart pick. <sighs> well, didn't Jordan Bell. <laughs> didn't um, Quick talk about how they thought he was going to, um, Swanigan was going to be a 3-4? And like. I- you mean like, like a play play the play three? the three and the four? Yeah, they, yeah. they did mention that, which I thought was interesting because he is technically a power forward. I think is his position, although I think he even played center a little bit when he was at Purdue. But um, yeah, they said he could play the three, which I thought was a little because he's really big, right? Like he's a big dude, which doesn't scream athletic enough to be a three. Exactly. They've been talking about how his feet aren't quite good no, enough. Really he's slow. not quite That's athletic enough. So it doesn't make sense to stick somebody like that out on the wing I think what at all. The, I think what the point may have been is he's a guy who can, if we need to, back up at all the positions because he's talented enough. I don't know. I mean, uh, if you need some help, I think he's also another very good defender. If you need some help defensively at a certain time in the game, you can throw him out there at whatever position is needed. Um, but I think he's almost more of a question mark than Zach Collins. And, and so here's my my kind of my my official hot Zach Collins take. It's not that hot, but my official kind of opinion on it was, yes, the Kings wound up taking two players who were tied to the Blazers for months at picks 15 and 20 in North Carolina, small forward Justin Jackson and Harry Giles, Duke Center. But Justin Jackson was apparently reportedly really, really bad in his workout with the Blazers. That was the, they wanted Justin Jackson. Paul Allen came to that workout to watch Justin Jackson and he wasn't good. Harry Giles has had multiple knee injuries as a big guy. Sure. He was rated very highly in high school. He was, I think the number one high school recruit when he went to Duke and since then has suffered many injuries. So you had a chance to take a guy who underwhelmed you and was disappointing to you personally as the Blazers brass in a workout and another big man with knee injuries because Blazer fans would love that guy so much. Or you could package those two picks because you can't use all three anyway, right? If you use that third pick, it was going to cost you yeah. a bunch of money because of the luxury Which was tax. smart, which was one of the smart things the Blazers did that they did not trade make out all of those three. three picks into two. Yes, And you go up to 10 to take the best center in the draft. I'm not counting Laurie Markin in from Arizona because he doesn't. He's a shooter. He, he's a seven foot guy. He's, he's Myers Leonard, but better. All he does is shoot threes. Um, so I'm not counting him. Zach Collins was the highest rated and graded by everybody center in the draft, with and slash power forward because he's going to play both positions. That's what he was. Um, so you trade two picks to go get the highest rated player to position, and not only that, the highest rated player that Neil Olshay wanted since January was scouting through the middle of the Gonzaga season, and we'll play a clip again from him next where he talks about how um, other teams caught on when the tournament happened, and he was frustrated because he thought Collins might fall to where their actual draft spot would be because he wanted him that badly. Some of it is a sales pitch, I'm sure, but all of that combined, I think it was a good move. I'm just saying, if you're going to trade two of your three draft picks or all three of your draft picks, uh, trade them to the top seven. Trade into the top, you know, I mean, get get somebody that you know can help you uh, immediately. Did and you see what trading into the top seven cost the Bulls? Jimmy Butler in the 16th pick. I mean, that's a lot to give up for the seventh pick. So it, it whatever is, is, whatever the, the asking price was was way too high for that high. I'm sure they tried, right? There was rumors they were trying to trade up to seven, but... I'm assuming two picks wasn't going to cut it. So the Bulls, the, the Bulls were just showing clearly they they just wanted to get rid of Jimmy Butler at that point. 
that's the that's that's the only reason that you trade for. Uh, I mean, and I like Zach Levine. You know, on two K, he's a beast at least. You know, <laughs> but uh, I don't trade for Zach Levine. I, I do think Chris Dunn is going to be good, but he wasn't good last year. But he was a lottery pick. Yeah, he so. was okay. A um, couple of texts here on the Bridgeport Bears text line at 55305 and keep them coming. Blazers get a B in the draft. And now they need to start talking with teams well under the salary cap slash luxury tax threshold and unload some of those bad contracts for relief. That was um, that was interesting to me. And that was one thing I was a little disappointed by was I was really hoping they could package a bad contract with a pick in a trade. I really wanted to see them do that. Um, some people have made the argument, which has kind of swayed me a little bit, and it's even some fans have made it too, is why is it so important to the fan that the team get under the salary cap? Because it's the owner's choice to pay if they're going to pay the luxury tax, right? And from what we've heard, Paul Allen kind of wants to, or he doesn't want to, but he's fine with paying the luxury tax. He said, I, just, I don't care. Just do it. Draft some players. That's from what we saw from, from some reports. So if he's okay with paying it, then I think it becomes less vital to trade that kind of a bad contract. If it's because honestly, it, it doesn't affect you or me as a fan anyway. And my, my thing is, if Paul Allen wants to pay it, it. Go ahead. Yeah, and it does, what it, what are you saving cap space for? Like, I mean, honestly, to re-sign Nurkic in the offseason. Exactly, but that's it. Like, it's not because free agents are going to come here, but it's to be able to re-sign the the two guys you want. So that's the only reason you're really trying to save any type of cap space. Um, and this other text says, don't like Collins, but whatever, he looks skinny, but has good stats. Yeah, the stats are good, um, especially in limited minutes. And if you watch the tournament, I think a lot of people kind of fell in love with his game because he was really good. And there was a lot of really dominant defensive plays in there, again, against college kids. But I think that speaks to some sort of a skill level that may translate to the NBA. All right, coming up next, Neil Olshay audio, uh, the night of the draft after he made the picks and trades. Uh, really, really interesting stuff. Some of it is the typical sales job stuff, but others is, I think is actually pretty interesting. So we'll play all that next. But first, Jesse has Sports Center. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9.33 here on your Sunday morning. Getting warmer out there already, as I'm sure a lot of you guys can tell. Beating the heat today and uh, yesterday. Talking a lot of Blazers in the NBA draft as the draft was on Thursday. Portland takes Zach Collins with the 10th pick from Gonzaga. Trading up from 15 and 20, combining those to send to the Kings and taking Collins. And then at 26, they took Purdue big man, Caleb Swanigan, right? Big man, quote unquote. He's kind of a average sized power forward, I guess, is the best way to put it. But those are their two picks. And Neil O'Shea held a press conference right after the draft on Thursday. And I think what he said was, uh, was enlightening in some ways because you didn't really... If you didn't watch a lot of Gonzaga, you don't know who Zach Collins is. And it was also very interesting. And in some cases, you got to give Neil some credit. I know a lot of people don't like Neil O'Shea, especially for just the way he talks and the way he presents stuff. But I think you got to give him some credit. Is that a lot of the times, he's actually pretty honest. And I think you can kind of figure out when he's feeding you BS and when he's not. And you'll hear it in these clips. And some of it will be and some of it won't be. But I think you can tell sometimes when he's excited about a player and about it, and he's telling the truth about it. And I think you'll hear some of that here. So uh, here is a clip, just a basic clip on Zach Collins. 
Gosh, the, you know, the whole package, Jace. Um, we targeted them really early in the process. I think you had texted me earlier today. Um, I couldn't really talk about it because um, I wasn't sure it was realistic. Uh, look, he's a big-time rim protector. Um, he's a great one-on-one -on -one defender. He's a big-time post defender. Um, he can really pass it. Um, any of you guys that were at the Gonzaga-Portland game, I'm sure saw that. I mean, he, he put on a clinic. Um, he can stretch the floor. He's got range. He can score over both shoulders. So, um, he, you know, he's everything you want, you want to look for in a big man in our league today because he can play inside and out. He can defend the rim. He can defend one-on-one. -on -one. He can defend pick and roll. Um, and we think he, you know, whether he plays, you know, behind Nurk, and then he can play with them too against some bigger lineups. So it was a great opportunity to move up and get, get a, the kind of a guy you can't get in the middle of the draft. He's giddy. Like, you hear him in the beginning, he's happy. They gosh. got Zach Collins. Oh, gosh, man. Yeah. We did it. We got the oh, guy we wanted, man. Guys, man, I think it, think it worked out for us. No, you, you can tell, like you said. That's a good sign. When, when he's really excited about, you know, a player or a signing, like, much like the way he, uh, did you, sound, you hear the way he sounded after, you know, the Nurkish trade was really executed and everybody else is like, you just traded, uh, you just traded our, our our starter for a bench guy who doesn't even play. Well, but it was a good trade because you were like, going to lose Plumlee for nothing. Yeah, and I think but. people were like, "Man, there's no way you can lose Plumlee for this dude who doesn't even play." But if you heard Olshay talk about it, he was, "Yeah, he's got upside. He does this, and we're excited about it." And then you saw him play, and you're like, "Oh, okay. I guess we should be excited about it." So, I mean, I guess if you want to revert back to that in Olshay, we trust kind of, you know, mantra that that Blazer fans have been living by. Then, I say go for it. Like I said, I don't think Zach Collins is a bad player. I don't think it was a bad pick. Was it a confusing pick? Yes. But I don't think it was a terrible pick, especially considering the people that were supposed to go, you know, after him. You know, so you don't really know. They, these are called lottery picks for a reason. Like, they, they, you could win big. You could lose big. You don't really know in between there. I think the, the picks... 14 through 30, those are a little more. It, it's easier to swallow if those guys aren't in the league in the next few years. I think 1 through 13, that doesn't work out, and, and you're, you're kind of pissed about it. So I think Olshay, if he's excited about it, I'm, I'm going to rock with him because he hasn't done anything at this point to show me that you don't know what you're doing. This actor guy is kind of good at, at doing this GM thing <laughs> for whatever reason. I, I had one red flag when I first thought of this pick and that was yes that he wasn't a starter um, but the more I thought about it I thought about what team he was on and you know that they had a veteran at that position they had a deep team too. It, yeah exactly and he wasn't going to come in he wasn't on a team where it's where it's like um, Kentucky where they just roll in five starting freshmen every year and then those five freshmen leave pretty much every year this is a team where there was plenty um, of juniors and seniors on it and it was veteran laden and you you were you were a young guy on a team that was talented and got to contribute on a national championship caliber team and that's so so the more i thought about it i was like okay there there is some really nice potential there this that's where i think a lot of those comparisons came between um god i can't who um <laughs> I, I i'm having a um uh, Pritchard? no not Pritchard. rich cho no, <laughs> not, I'm, I'm not thinking of a GM. Uh, our our current God, I'm, I'm having I do a that all the time. Right Don't worry, the, man. The, well, I know you can't even James remember White. your Super Bowl MVP, but there we go. No, um, we're, we're getting comparisons to our current player, 
Come on, help me out here. Nurkic? Oh, Myers Leonard. Myers Leonard. There we go. Thank you, Leonard. Wow. So he's Not, getting, hold on. You forgot wow. Myers Leonard. Yeah. Take a point away from Jesse. No, How Myers you... Leonard's the most unforget- uh, most forgettable guy on our team. Are you kidding me? Uh. He's the most forgettable guy on our team. No, he is. Not. Well, the only reason he's not forgettable is because he was waste. Anyways, the, the reason they were compared is hold because on, they, hold neither on, one of wait. them were a starter. I need right. to find it. Neither one of them were a starter when they were a freshman. They were both uh, taken as a freshman. Um, but what I like about this, yeah, that is a that is a <laughs> fail. Um, what I like about this though is I think he fits this in an and I, I know the trend has been like Golden State. We're going small ball where you have a nice big athletic guy now. And Nurkic is athletic, and you don't have to go small when other guys go small, and that creates problems for other teams that go small ball, small ball like Golden State. As long so, as your big guys can run. As long, yes, as That's long it. as they're athletic. And right now, you have an athletic guy in Collins, Nurkic. If he can stay, you know, keep from getting winded because he wasn't in shape when he came here last year. I think those guys, you have athletic guys. Nurkic is an athletic center. You have an athletic guy in Collins. These guys can go big, and you. And create problems for a small team. So I think he fits in that, especially in the fact that he can go out there and stretch I, and shoot from the three. I think we can slightly amend the in Neil we trust to in Neil we trust draft picks and trades, but not free agent signings because he's proven he's not exactly the best with signing free agents. Yeah, well, but, un, un, until, you know, Portland is not Portland, Oregon anymore for a multitude of reasons. Oh, no, I'm not talking about that. that. People won't come here. I'm talking about giving $70 million deals to Evan Turner and Allen Crabb. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, well, making well, he four... had to do that. Well, he didn't have to, no. No, he didn't at all. <laughs> Poor but, negotiations. I, mean, I, I, when, I guess Crabb was matching. Him. Again, like I said, Allen Crabb doesn't make sense. Evan Turner is a dude who's averaged double digits points in this in this league for like the past seven years. I'm okay with Evan Turner getting that money. Just Especially in fit. hindsight, guys are getting $150 million deals who aren't going to deserve it. Like, Evan Turner not, just doesn't fit on this team, though. I don't agree with that. I think Evan Turner could be that three, maybe not a three guy, but a, but a, a two and D guy that can get you some points and play some defense. Like Evan Turner, he he's shown you, I, I, I can't shoot. I can still average 17 points in this league. There's something to be said for that. Like, I don't need him to go out there and get 15 points. You need a guy that's going to be able to get to play some good defense, maybe get you 11, 12 points a night. I think Evan Turner can be that more than Alan Crabb can be. All right, we, sure. got, we got some more audio we got to play here, too. So this is uh, Neil O'Shea uh, on, about the draft spot at 10 for Zach Collins. There was no way he was going to be there at 15. And um, I, I think we got lucky that he got to 10. You know, quite honestly, I think some transactions that happened tonight change the real the upper part of the you know the the middle part of the lottery um and then sacramento had you know had they had um expectations and they had um what they wanted to accomplish you know in the draft and it met up with ours and we were lucky lucky to move up and get them um but i do think it's funny if you i know the rosie's not here they're they're back in the uh, the draft from watching the draft but we sat at the mountain west or sorry the we went mountain west pac-12 wcc to go scout and it wasn't just for the sunshine, um, but we sat there. And he just kept playing better and better, and we kept getting more and more frustrating, knowing the more minutes he got, the more the rest of the country was going to catch up. And, you know, I was talking to his agent about it tonight. He said, well, you, you guys were on this in January. And I he said, yeah, unfortunately, he went on a run in March that got everybody else up to speed on it. So, um, like I said, we were lucky we had the assets. We have an aggressive owner, really supportive, really believed in what we were trying to do. And he gave us the uh, the go-ahead to move up. And this is just a continuation of that about trading the 15th and the 20th pick. What Yusuf did was he accelerated this because we, we are a much com- more competitive team today 
than we were back in February. And we've solidified a position that, you know, we were a little bit uncertain of. So that we've got Dame, we've got CJ, we've got great depth, we've got good guys. And this is really just about, I mean, you go into the draft to get the best player you can possibly get. And if it's if the guy gets to you like a Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum getting you at six and ten, then that's the move. If you identify a player like Zach Collins as the best player you can realistically get, you move your chips in and go get him. Um, you know, look, I mean, I think we were prepared for the draft in a way that had we not been able to do this, then we, we would have gotten a really good player at fifteen and a really good player at twenty. It's just we felt like Zach's value exceeded that of those two picks when they were looked at independent of one another. So it wasn't really positional. It was really just more, we think he was the best player on the board. We moved up to get him. And then we did whatever we could to make sure we got 26 right as well. And um, we were very lucky because Caleb was the last guy standing on the board above our candidates at 26. So that's kind of like what I was saying. And actually, I haven't even heard that trading in 15 and 20 clips. That's the first time I heard that one. That was kind of what I was saying of uh, the value of the 10 is high, especially if he was the top player on their board, you know, top player, top, top achievable player on their board. So I think that that I think should hopefully help calm some Blazer fans who are still a little frustrated about the draft pick because you at least know that the brass of your team is all in on this player and that he is the guy they wanted the entire time. And, play, you know, fans get caught up in the wrong things. Like, people are caught up in the fact that he didn't start for his for his team. That shouldn't matter. Like, why why would that matter? He was a college player who, in the Final Four, averaged uh, 11, 10, and 4 blocks. So he can obviously play against the best, the best talent and then didn't need a whole lot of minutes to do it. So just imagine, give him... 30 minutes a game, 28 minutes a game, and see what he's able to do from there. And you're looking at possibly, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say an all-star again, but you're looking at somebody who, you just want a solid who may be an all-star. You don't know. And that's, that's, the, that's the beauty of this whole drafting. You just don't know. And I think we're going to find out exactly what type of worker Zach Collins is, especially uh, to see if he's going to fit in in Portland. Because I think the, the consensus amongst a, lot, amongst a lot of Blazer fans is the fact that, well, we already got Zach Collins. You already have him. Like, I mean, it's they compare like, him to Myers. Yeah, yeah you, it's almost like looking in a mirror, I guess, for a lot of fans. And I think that's where a lot. But of that's people a mistake. It it could be. Well, no, I but mean, he's not. That that's what I was saying earlier. Is he's not the same player as Myers Leonard. Sure, he's tall and he can shoot, but that doesn't mean he's Myers Leonard. He plays defense. He plays inside. That does not mean he's Myers. And so that's the opposite of Myers because Myers plays bad defense and he's bad positionally and he rarely plays inside because he likes to shoot the three. If there is a comparison to Myers under this draft, I, it's Laurie Markkinen from Arizona. He's a seven footer who literally just stands at the three point line. He plays pick and rolls, but he pops back to the three point line. He doesn't go to the basket. There was a whole clip in the highlight package at the draft of Laurie Markkinen's pick that I was watching the entire highlight clip. He is behind the three point line. He does not play inside. That's Myers Leonard, right? This pick of Zach Collins is not Myers Leonard. He does more than Myers ever did in college. Myers never did what Zach Collins did. And I think that is and don't be don't be tricked because he's white and he's seven feet and he can shoot. He's a different player. That's all I'm saying. No, I he but he is a much different player today. And I think you look at the Myers Leonard today, not the guy who played for Illinois, and you look at what Zach Collins can do and you go, Yeah, we already got a dude that does that. That's why I think people are – I mean, again, I'm looking at uh, Myers Leonard's college numbers now, and they weren't 
phenomenal. You know, 13, almost 14 points, eight boards, and a block and a half a game. You know, Myers was a project. He was, yeah, he was a project. They and drafted I, him as a project. And I, Collins I think, is not a project. I think there, there's still going to be the, a learning curve in, in, in the NBA for, for Zach Collins. But, I mean, like I said, if, if Olshay thinks that this is going to be what's going to be best for the Blazers, I don't think he helps the Blazers win today. But who knows? He might, he might be able to help. Coming up next, a little more audio from Neil Olshay and then the uh, Jimmy Butler trade as well. This is Sports Sunday on the Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9.50 here on your Sunday morning talking about the NBA draft, playing some Neil Olshay audio. This one's an important one for me. This is what the Blazers were looking for in the draft, according to the GM bro, Neil Olshay, and why he thinks they got that in the draft. Sometimes you get caught up in something specific. Well, we need a defender, so we just get a defender, and we overlook other things, or we need to get tougher, or we need to get more athletic. And so in this case, you know, I, I think the toughness is just more from a mindset. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, hockey thugs. I'm talking about guys that are mentally tough. When you look at a guy like, um, you know, you look at a guy like Caleb, what he's been through, how he's transformed himself physically, mentally, what he's done with his game, what he's been through as a person, that kind of toughness. A guy like Zach Collins, who we know is a chippy player, doesn't back down. You guys that cover the WCC because a UOP saw that. Um, the fact that he had to come off the bench. I mean, it shows a lot about the kid that this is a guy that for the first half of the season was basically playing backup, limited minutes, right? And then when, when push came to shove and it was time you know, to play with the big boys in the NCAA tournament, you look at his minutes increasing and his impact on the floor increasing tells me a lot about that kind of kid and that kind of player, that he stayed ready, accepted his role, but was ready to step into a larger role on the biggest stage. Toughness. They wanted toughness. They wanted tough players. Because prior to the signing of Yusuf Nurkic, there was a very large hole in the team of toughness. You know, they, they obviously everybody has has some toughness to him. Damian Lillard's a very tough player, but it's not necessarily about just mentality, which is also what he said there. But it's you want guys who can bang bodies and who can kind of exert their will and their dominance on the other team. And I think and I think it was something that you didn't realize the Blazers were lacking until Nurkic came and you saw how different the team played when he was down there banging bodies, playing good defense picking rolls with hard picks, knocking guys at the ground, you realize all of a sudden, whoa, yeah. this team has a different energy. And if, again, not that I watched a bunch of Gonzaga basketball this year, I saw him a lot in the tournament, but if you, if, if Neil O'Shea is saying he sees that toughness from both Swanigan and from Collins, then that will only help because it's, Nurkic did a lot, but I think you kind of need that mindset to, to permeate itself through the team. Too. Oh, I think he knew the team was lacking toughness. And I think that's why you got made the trade for, I was going to say got rid of, but I think Plumlee for the most part did his job ish in Portland, you know? So I don't want to say got rid of Plumlee, but you traded for Nurkic who bought um, immediate toughness to your team. And I think that's the, you know, you've always had it with, with Dane, but I, I, the one thing I've always said is I don't think your point guard can be your toughest player. It's just, it's just not the way it works. And so, 
that's the one thing the Blazers needed to do is just stop getting bullied by everybody. And if Collins can come in there and be that, you know, that I'm not going to call him an intimidator because he's going to have to gain another 15 to, to 70 pounds if he wants to be an intimidator in the NBA. But I look at Twanigan as somebody that can definitely be somebody that can play some bully ball with a lot of people considering his size, um, what he's able to do as an athlete. Mind you, he doesn't have the quickest feet, which is what we always talk about, but you know, who, who the hell cares about, about that part? So I if think he's going to be a backup big guy or like defender. Yeah. I mean, you know, so I, I think, you can, you, you can I think you're just that. looking for somebody that's going to bring some energy and effort at that point. And if you have energy effort, man, Draymond's feet don't look incredibly quick, but man, he gets to, he gets to where he's supposed to be. And so I, I, I think you have to look at it um, through that type of lens sometimes, but yes, toughness is a huge thing in the NBA, especially this really what we consider the soft, you know, friendly NBA. If you're if you're not tough in there, then especially down low, you really have no chance against some of the better teams around. Now, this clip from Neil, and I have heard this one. This one is probably the most questionable one, in my opinion. In, in some, I mean, he's correct, but it's also a little weird. So this is Olshay on what drafts are for. It's not about summer league. It's not about rookie of the year. This is about the next twelve to fifteen years. You know, this is a he. He's a he's a franchise level building block to join guys that we already have on this roster. He fits their career arc. Um, he does some things that we really need. Um, but more than anything, I mean, look, we're trying to build the roster the right way. Um, if we can accelerate this, we would accelerate it. But if we're not going to accelerate it, we need to make the best and the most of the model that we're under right now, which is we've talked about it consistently, you know, guys on Damien's career arc, but that can grow with the organization and grow with this team. And, and he fits both because I think he can help right away. We've got a lot of depth. It's going to be a tough rotation to crack. But he, we're in this for the long haul with him. And that's what the draft is for. The draft isn't for quick fixes and positional need. The draft is for, you know, is for the long term. So there's some stuff that's, that's true in there. The draft is for long term, obviously, because you're drafting young players. Even if you get a really good player at the top of the draft, that's not necessarily about right now. It's about long term. Um, right now is trades and free agents if you can sign them. But uh, the the one thing there that's weird to me, and I think Blazer fans probably cringe a little bit when he says this is for the next 12 to 15 years, right? Blazer fans, they, logically, I think a lot of Blazer fans understand that the Warriors are going to be good for a while, right? That, I don't know, what, what what's the limit of years you want to cap on a four? Maybe four or five more years at the least. They'll be really, 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 really good and probably going to win the West. Um but Blazer fans also want to compete at the top of the West now. Emotionally, you want to say that you could play the Warriors and beat them, right? Logically, you know you probably can't, but emotionally, that's what you want to say. So you can compete with anybody, right? No, you can't. But that, but that's that's what a fan wants, right? So saying twelve to fifteen years is like, well, Damian Lillard's already what twenty six, twenty seven, and CJ's getting near his prime. Twelve to fifteen years from now, they're retiring. You know, that's that's it. So that's a scary thing. And then him saying that Zach Collins is on the same career arc as Damian Lillard is just, in my opinion, wrong. He's been claiming career arc for years, right? Finding players who are near Damian Lillard's age so they can all grow together. Zach Collins is 19. That's not the same career arc. Now, it's a Zach Collins career arc. It's a, it's a, it's a player who, if he turns out to be really good, will allow you to stay good past Damian Lillard's prime, right? If, if Collins turns out to be a great player. But... To say it's the same career arc, I think, is a little bit silly. So that one is – that's the one where I'm like, okay, let's not, let's not keep looking towards 12, 15 years from now because you, you just said in the last clip 
that you've got Lillard, CJ, and Nurk. You've got a, a stable of three guys who you're really happy with. You can win now if you at win now, quote unquote. You can compete now if you add another like really good. Player. Yeah, and please believe Damian Lillard, Nurkic, and CJ McCollum are not going to wait around for twelve to fifteen years. Well, they'll be retired by then. Exactly. They're not. <laughs> I'll be honest. They're not going to wait around for five. Like this is going to be one of those things to where I think you're going to start seeing a lot of guys get into okay, I got to win now mode, especially for somebody like Dame who Jesse and I kind of talked about this on the show when you were gone one time, uh, who won't be making a lot of all-star games in the Western Conference. Not because he's not good enough, just because now that you have to go, that you front, vote for front court and back court as opposed to point guard and shooting guard and stuff like that, he's going to be left out behind Westbrook and Harden and Steph and Clay uh, and Kawhi and all those guys, you know, every single year. So he might not make many all-star games unless he averages 30 points and six rebounds and seven assists or something like that. So he's going to come to a point to where he wants to win and he wants to go somewhere and get that respect. I mean, the one thing we know about Dame is that he wants to be respected as a star in this NBA. And I think the only way to do that is really you make a bunch of all-star games or you win a bunch of championships or win a couple championships. And I think Dame is going to be at the point as well as CJ to where, man, I've got to go somewhere and win. And I'm not going to wait for Zach Collins to become the star that we think he can be here in 2017. Here is just one final clip that we'll play from Olshay, and uh, then we will get on out of here. <laughs> Anyone that knows them knows they've had that conversation with me. Um, but everybody, everybody also knows with me, I mean, I, I like to talk to players about players. You know, I mean, they, they know the league the way that we do, you know, and who can fit and who. And we've had some deals we've passed on because our guys knew what it would be like in the locker room. So I do rely on those guys because they are you know, they're the future of the franchise and their opinion matters to us, but there's realities to what you can and can't do at times. And there's also times that you have to take a longer view. And it's my job to take more of a macro view of the organization because, you know, we've proven, I, I think, time and again, you know, I think we, you know, we sat in this room not long ago, you know, we were worried about making a trade at the trade deadline. And, you know, and, and I was an unpopular guy out on court one over there telling the guys about the move we made and it resulted along with, you know, us peaking at the right time and making the playoffs, which is everybody's goal. And absent injury, I think you would have seen a much more competitive series. So, you know, I've got to take what they're, what they're thinking into consideration. I value it immensely. And I've got to try and execute it. But at the end of the day, we've got to do, we've got to do what's right, not just short-term, but long-term as well. And what you don't want to do, Jason, is, you know, appease people in the immediate future and then take two steps backwards and that's what and that's what we've got to constantly evaluate i think he's talking about the idea that they didn't try to make a trade or they didn't trade for like paul george or jimmy butler or something like that they didn't send picks and assets for a player like that they didn't make a splash no and, and what's interesting is what he said at the end there has been my over the years as a fan it's always my idea for a team the correct way to run a team is you never mortgage your future for a win now model you got to combine both you don't go one or the other only, you do both. Now, so, I mean, he, he said that, so I agree that that's a good way to look at it. You don't want to go acquire Jimmy Butler if that's, you know, I don't know who he was talking about, but whatever player he was in his head thinking about there, you don't want to acquire Jimmy Butler and then give up three players in a pick like the, or two players in a pick like the T-Wolves did. You know, that's, that is good in the now, right? But that might hurt you longer term. And he also mentioned the, 
the players would say that maybe that wouldn't fit in the locker room. Like we've heard Jimmy Butler is not the best locker room guy. He kind of separated the bulls a little bit last year. Uh, we heard that he was kind of like the focal point of that. So maybe that again, I'm not sure who exactly he was talking about there, but if that's who he was, then you got to reference the players too, or ask, ask your own players too. But you know, Neil O'Shea is a spinner. He spins his words. He spins what he says. But for the most part, out of all the clips we played, I I already felt good, but I feel good about the Zach Collins pick. You know, I, I feel like, again, it's the hope for the future thing, which I know Blazer fans are always kind of sick of hearing from their GMs, all of them, not just O'Shea. But, you know, it, Zach Collins seems to be the right kind of guy to that you would have taken in this draft. I mean, I, I think he's the that that character guy that you want to – that you want to see for the Blazers. And, I mean, on, on that respect, yes, he, he is a very good pickup. Um, as far as the Jimmy Butler thing, you know, I mean, sometimes you have a bad job. Sometimes you just don't get along with coworkers. It, it's like that sometimes, you know. So I can't be – I don't want to give him the stigma of uh, being a bad locker room guy because it didn't work in some locker room. You know, it, it, it's like that for a lot of players sometimes. So uh, I don't want to put that, you know, bad car, bad juju on him. But as far as Zach Collins and the Trailblazers picks this year, I thought they did a fair job in the draft. They didn't disappoint me uh, as a fan. I think they did disappoint a lot of people who really didn't watch a lot of college basketball. I, I guarantee there might be, what, 2% of the people out here who may have known who Caleb Swangin was. Almost, almost positive. Probably, nobody watched. Yeah. Nobody watched Purdue basketball. You know who Zach Collins was here in Portland because you may have watched some Gonzaga basketball this year because there were a couple kids from Portland that were on that team. All I gotta say is for anybody that was like, "This is a really bad draft." Remember that I think it was the. It wasn't just um, when you took Sebastian Telfair. You also, I think, you had three picks in that draft as well. You took Sebastian Telfair, Sergey Monia, and Victor Kriapa. And I think in your second round you had um, Hasu Jin. So that was your draft that year. Like none of internationals, like, baby. That was Blazers one of the them. worst Blazer drafts ever. All of those guys sucked, and none of them stuck. So I mean, right now it's like. This could be a really bad draft. We don't know, but it could be a really good draft. Like we like Collins could fit. He could be a good player this year. We just like it, it it's all these things when they're talking about redrafting the 2016 draft. One year does not make a bad draft. No, it has to take about 3 or 4 years to really kind of judge each draft individually. All right, we got to go. We're way over, which is no surprise for us. Coming up next hour, hate it or love it's at 1030. We'll talk about the Jimmy Butler trade, which we haven't gotten to, and the Oregon Ducks, who got drafted. That's all next here on The Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.